Can I call you all Beckys, or is that a slur? I said all that and more earlier, except it was way funnier, and I talk about my sex life and makeup and fake eyelashes and all the rest earlier. You should have come. <laughs> oh my god, can I call you all Beckys? Or is that a slur? You have to tell me in 2020. He asked the crowd. Well? The answer is no, it doesn't seem to be. And I'm really glad for that. Because I was thinking about a time that seemed strange at the time, not so long ago, that today almost seems like quaint. Like, ha ha ha, isn't that funny? Even though at the time I was like, this is really strange. And it's a real moment, and I think it really speaks to where we are right now in a country, because it is... A little bit about race, but mostly it's about tone deafness on race. And uh, I'm sure nobody's gotten sick of that topic, uh, especially if you're a fan of Bon Appetit online. So uh, I thought I would delve into it just a little bit more while you're uh, trying to have some fun and be entertained. Uh, so just real quick, I kind of thought 2012 was the end of the world not because of the Mayan thing? Because that's ridiculous. For one, like, I kind of know somebody from that region of the world, and they're like, no, it just means the calendar's turning over. And I go, what does that mean? They go, oh, we have no fucking clue. I went, okay, well, that's not great, but that does, all right. Okay. <laughs> that is a different answer than what you are getting on the news, and that does kind of satisfy me. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, I will take it. But... At a certain point, watching the Republican national politic machine in 2012, I just thought, like, this is the end of the world. Like, this is an acid trip that I began and I, I can emerge from. This is fear and loathing in Las Vegas, but Las Vegas is no longer a place but a time, and it's right now. And politics has always been strange, and Donald Trump is, you know, whatever Donald Trump fucking is. And the Trump era is whatever it is. Again, hope you're having fun. I know that you tuned in to get <laughs> the world away from you. But legitimately, the cast of 2012's Republican nominees were the biggest clown pinata of associates that I've ever fucking seen in my life. And I mean, I, I read the news. So I'm talking about, like, the California runoff election that had Arnold Schwarzenegger win. I'm talking about the Italian election that had the porn star versus the shoemaker. I'm talking about there's this one kind of, like, runoff thing in Japan where a certain party gets to go in. So, like, you'll see all the political parties in the shot and it'll pan from left to right and everybody will be in a suit and tie. But then one of them will be dressed like a giant Mako shark and he'll be, like, dancing for the camera like, ah! And he's an actual political party guy. I'm talking about... I've seen Pirate Party versus Green Party runoff German elections talking about who is going to fuck the state harder while running for that position of the state, right? I'm talking, I've seen some fucking clown fiestas of politicians around the world. Politicians around the world are just kind of clowns. You kind of have to be. 
Who else looks at the state of the world and says, okay, now everybody shut up and listens to me. I know I do it all the time. Shh, not for this point. Anyway, I don't get in front of a camera and do it, so it's a little bit different. 2012 is still the high watermark for me of, I can't believe so many fucknuts are in such fucking close fucknut proximity. I can't believe such a critical mass of fucknut actually exists. That so many cartoon characters are actually together in the same space and time running to be president. And if you go back, it's very funny. Like, we're comparing one of them to Foghorn Leghorn, and he's literally falling asleep during his messages that he broadcasts. He's falling asleep, telling us that he's going to be president in the messages that he chose to tell us that he's going to be. And he's one of the lesser characters in this fucking drama. Oh, Fred Thompson, I miss you. Back when, back when the craziest thing a Republican could say would not be of reality, and that was concerning. That was a long time ago. So 2012 is not that long ago, and all of these assholes are just crazier than the next. But one of them has a place in my heart, and his name was Herman Cain. And Herman Cain was the only black person basically running anywhere near the top of the ticket for the Republican Party in 2012. And definitely the only one running for president. And Herman Cain just constantly seemed to be right where a punchline should be. By accident. Let me give you some examples. These are going to sound like I'm making them up. The Godfather pizza guy, yes, that's exactly right. That was his former, that's already kind of funny. His former, the thing that he used the hardest to say that he should be president is that he was the former CEO of Godfather's Pizza. And that's like not even worth a chuckle at the beginning of it, all right? So here's just two quick examples of Herman Cain's campaign. These are true stories. Look them up if you don't believe me. It's okay if you don't. I won't be mad. Number one. His tax plan was he was going to change every tax plan to 9%. He called it the 999 plan. He goes, 999! And that was a rallying cry throughout the Republican convention, that we're going to make all the tax rates 9%. It turned out it was literally the tax plan of SimCity 3000. It was literally the tax plan of that video game that you turn all of your taxes to 9% no matter what they were and get that in. That's not even the good one. Here's number two. Here's number two, and this one's way better. At one point, Herman Cain is giving a speech, with me, which I mean into a microphone, in front of cameras, in front of an audience, intentionally. He's giving a speech in which he says a rather moving oration about dreams and hope. It's not very long. It's about 50 words. You can definitely look this one up online. It's all over YouTube. 
Uh, sometimes I look it up when I'm a little bit sad and I feel like I've made a mistake in my oration. <clears throat> so he says it, and he says it like a presidential candidate. The thing is, it is verbatim, and I mean verbatim, Pokemon the movie lyrics. He is literally saying Pokemon the movie lyrics that are sung as a speech and spoken words. You can see it back-to-back -back on YouTube. Please look it up. It will make your day better. These are just two stories about Herman Cain in 2012. <laughs> and he, at one point, was winning the nomination for like a whole month. He was actually in the first place. I swear to Christ, I know that sounds like it's not true, but he actually flamed out. The reason why we know the 999 and the Pokemon stuff is because he actually was in first place. <laughs> Spoiler alert, 2012 just goes to show you what a hell hole we're in right now, because the thing that, tooks, that takes Herman Cain out of first place is not his tax plan, obviously, or quoting Pokemon, obviously, but the fact that two women come forward with sexual harassment allegations against him. And that's enough to stop a campaign in 2012. Ah! Anyway. <laughs> uh, the reason why I was thinking about Herman Cain today is because I was shaking my ass. What? How often do you shake and think about Herman Cain, Jack? Pretty frequently. I'm going to tell you, honestly, about once every, I don't know, 50 days or so? Once every other month, I think about Herman Cain. I'm like, <laughs> what's Herman Cain up to? Uh, he really was a character. I can't begin to tell you. If you watch him do the Pokemon thing, I promise you'll find his creepy ass a little bit endearing during it. He's almost like not a man. Oh, it's so strange how some people can almost... Like, be, be cartoons? Like cartoons. They were like cartoons in 2012, the Republicans. They were like cartoon people. It was so weird. All of them more cartoony than the last. And then Mitt Romney came out, and he literally was just like all the human gray drab sucked out of all the other corpses along the way. Ugh. It was such a weird fucking election. <laughs> so I was thinking about Herman Cain today, as I often do. Just out in my backyard, not trying to brag, because the state said it was going to throw me in prison if I didn't pull weeds. Now, you might think that sounds like a strange escalation, and so do I, because that was the beginning of it. I just kind of opened up a letter and it said, you have X days to pull the weeds in your backyard or we're throwing you in jail or we're fining you $500. See what we do. And I thought, why'd you put it in that order? Why'd you, you could at least put the 500 first, assholes. What the fuck? So, <laughs> I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm already kind of not in a, like, I don't really want to deal with a lot of shit right now with everything going on. And, uh, I'm not super happy about this, but I decided, you know, I needed to knock it out immediately. So, as soon as I get the letter, next morning I'm up, crack of dawn, up first thing. Because I hate people, number one. And then number two, something about the way that COVID is going on right now 
has made every dog owner a piece of shit. I'm so sorry. I actually really like dogs and dog owners generally, but something has happened where now every dog owner is all like, leashes? <laughs> that was from the before time. Telling my dog what to do? <laughs> no, now Squanto hunts. So, like, legitimately, me trying to get shut down in my front yard, I always have to be on the lookout for, oh, oh no, oh no, Tiffany, 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 oh my god, no, double no, no, Tiffany, Tiffany, Tiffany. By the way, if that happens, which it does frequently, I just walk back inside my house. It's not worth the rake or whatever you're going to steal from me if you're actually like whatever, or if a homeless person walks by and they just decide they want that lawn equipment. Fuck it. Tiffany, you win. This is your turf now. Guard it with your fucking life. May your little ringy dinger collar bring you great luck against the wolves who will try and take it from you. So, I'm legitimately just, like, trying to... <laughs> I'm just trying to get not thrown in prison pretty much my whole life. Or deal with people, because if I was in prison, I would have to. And so I'm up at the crack of dawn, just bending down, and there's not enough light out to quite see. And also... I hate doing work. I'm just not, I'm just not the guy you call up and you think, you know what? I've got a lot of fucking hard labor that I need done right. I need done well. I need done with a good spirit. Absolutely no one has ever put me at the top of that fucking criteria list. I promise you. Ever. Ever. <laughs> and so I'm out there before I can really see, kind of waking up, and I'm in my dirt that I don't want to be in to grab the weeds to not see what the escalation from the state's going to be. Because apparently they can't hand out masks, but boy howdy can they enforce fucking backyard codes. <sighs> and I'm, I'm in the dirt. I'm kneeling all the way down. And I'm realizing... These are the easiest squats of my life. I would have killed for these squats in my 20s. Like, these are the easiest squats of my life. I'm getting down and up, in and out of the dirt like nothing. Like nothing. And so I'm just dipping down and out. And like, again, I'm lazy as fuck. And so I realize, like, you know what I'm doing? I'm spending all my energy going down and up in these dips and squats like a sucker. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take one giant step forward, one lunge step forward. I'm going to get down in position. And then like a fucking turret, just... Both hands. Just in a little semicircle around. And I'm not going to fucking bother. Or anything. I'm just going to throw them aside. That's job number two. I'll come back for him after I've killed them all. And I'm just getting down. Uh, 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 and I'm getting sweaty. It feels really good. And I'm not trying to brag, but it's like, you know, it's one of those backyards where they give you some bullshit fraction. Oh, it's a 137th uh, double acre. 
You know, it's like one of those kind of backyards. Like, they didn't build it to code or anything like that. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, it's a 160th heck taker if you're a Quincy man. If you, if you, if you derive by the Lewis method, it's almost three knots. Hmm. You know, it's one of those kind of backyards, so I don't know how fucking big it is. But it's too big for someone who doesn't want to fucking be out there weeding. Alright? This is not like a, oh, I'm gonna pull just a couple, and also, this is not like a, the last tenant weeded real well. This is a, literally, I moved in here, and the old lady's house next to me looked like the beginning of an RPG in which you can cut down weeds for some kind of money's house. Alright? This was not like, I, I went into a nice little fucking well-manicured place. There's, there's cars on front yards, alright? There's, I'm really going obscure with the nerd references tonight, but deal with it. You know, there's just, yeah, Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon, really? Stardew Valley hasn't taken it over? And Animal Crossing? You went with Harvest Moon? That's incredible. Somebody right now at the Harvest Moon franchise just got the biggest direction of their life and they have no idea why. Somebody remembers Harvest Moon! <laughs> I didn't think anyone remembered us. See? Right now, 95% of my audience has no idea what I'm fucking talking about. Harvest Moon is just two words put together. Like, 20% right now is like, is, was that the name that they gave Star Wars when they were filming it? As a code name. He's that nerdy. So I better get back to it real quick. So I'm bending down and using my big giant ass and muscly form in my backyard, just pulling the fucking weeds out the earth, trying not to go to prison. And, you know, I get about... 20, 25 solid minutes into it. I don't stop. I haven't taken a break. There's no water out there. There's no music. It's just man versus nature like I'm Jack fucking London, all right? Going to goddamn town on these weeds. And I'm really pulling them out. I actually get scraped up a couple times. I don't stop. I'm getting into it. And I'm realizing that after I do enough of these lunges, after I do enough of these big, like, mow downs where I get into position and I start yanking, yanking, yanking out. After I do enough of those, I've cleared them. And now I have to come back and I have to trim up and I have to get the claws that you just pull out, that you just have to kind of bend over and pull out. And so this is the, you know, just the normal kind of, this is now back to like normal weeding instead of Southwest industrial tumble weeding. And so I have to individually squat for each one after 20, 25 minutes of doing this, right? And so I'm getting into it, and I'm starting to work up the sweat. The, you know, the, the light's starting to come up. I'm starting to breathe a little bit heavier. I've really got a good workout going on now. And I'm pulling up the individual clods, and I'm starting to feel each individual big old man cheek start to, like, flex. Right? Start to really feel the muscles, and the muscles are like, you've been using us. Right? Like a Ren and Stimpy kind of each cheek is its own man. And they can both talk, and like the one on the right's like, yeah, no, I can feel it. And the one's on the left's like, yeah, no, I can feel it. And I can just feel my big ol' ass, and how muscular it is, and how good it's been working this, you know, this lasts at this point 30, 35 minutes or so, right? And I'm very basic. And as you can tell from the last five pop culture references, very white. And so when I think of a big ass to this day, sometimes I think of Becky. 
I think, oh my god, Becky, and I slap my own ass. Look at me. Right? I know, it's not... All right, it's very basic, but I'm just being honest with you. This is who I am. You're probably wondering how this comes back to Herman Cain. <laughs> well, one of my favorite things, one of the reasons why Herman Cain is buried into my psyche to the point that I don't think his grasp will leave, to the point that he will die and I will talk about him on the day he dies and people will be like, what the fuck are you talking about? The Godfather pizza guy? <laughs> But really, the reason why he's entrenched in my psyche, just like Sir Mix-a-Lot, is deep in. Just like I saw women dancing on top of giant prosthesis mountain asses in a music video that I was far, far too young to see. And and it just jajunk got lodged right in that frontal temporal lobe, right? Just like he did. Herman Cain was asked about Uzbekistan when he was in the lead of the Republican primary. <laughs> and Herman Cain's response to Uzbekistan was something along the lines of, Oh, what a gotcha question. Because the American people don't care about no Uzbeki, Becky, 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 Becky stand. And I saw that live. I was there live when he said that. There are clips, but I saw it as it happened. I wasn't looking at the screen at the first, Becky, but you better fucking believe I was by the last. <laughs> Mouth agog. <laughs> and I knew, I knew as it was happening that something was like, I was like, oh God, I, I, because I was like smiling and like enjoying. I'm like, oh my God, I love this answer so much. <laughs> and so today, after doing some weeding, after getting everything uh, all situated and stacking up my, my floral corpses, I, uh, I kind of just tapped my ass in the shower, and I felt it, and I said, Oh my God, ooze, Becky, 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 Stan. Look at that ass. <sighs> Simpler times. <laughs> uh... <laughs> All right, that's the prepared shit. That's all I really got for you. Now I just read what you have for me. I hope everybody's having an okay week, that you're surviving, that you're doing all right. I've been thinking about you guys a lot, and that's the truth. All the news I've been reading, and in my own little contemplations, I have been thinking about all of you and just how varied the personal experience is going on right now, and just how heavy everything is. So, as I pull up the poetry to read, 
I just want you to know <clears throat> I was thinking of you. I hope everything works out okay. I think things are, you know, going to be a little rough for a while, like I've said, but I also think you're very strong. And I made it this whole week, aggravating as it is. And I mean, it's aggravating to be threatened with prison for weeds, <laughs> even if it's never going to happen, and we all know it's never going to happen. Just the idea of it. And yet I didn't get frustrated. I didn't yell at anybody. So one week down, I said last week, we try and go through the last of this year without yelling at anybody. One week down. And I've got all the rest to go. I'm not even know how many. Because <laughs> it's a one week at a time kind of situation here. But that's me trying. That's me putting my, my faith and my foot forward. However, you're doing it for you. Know that somebody thinks about you. Believes in you. Believes that you can. Okay. <clears throat> I loved you before I was born. It doesn't make sense. I know. I saw your eyes before I had eyes to see, and I lived longing for your every look ever since. That longing entered time as this body. That longing grew as this body waxed. That longing grows as this body wanes. That longing will outlive this body. I loved you before I was born. It makes no sense, I know. Long before eternity, I caught a glimpse of your neck and shoulders, your ankles and toes, and I've been lonely for you from that instant. The loneliness that appeared on earth as this body and my share of time has been nothing but your name outrunning my ever since, clearly. Your face fleeing my ever kissing it firmly once on the mouth. In longing, I am most myself, wrapped, my lamp mortal, my light hidden and singing. I will give you my blank heart. Please write on it what you will. I loved you before I was born. Lee Young Lee. L-I-Y-O-U-N-G. L-E-E. In an effort to get people to look into each other's eyes more, and also to appease the mutes, the governments had decided to allot each person exactly 167 words per day. When the phone rings, I put it to my ear without saying hello. In the restaurant, I point at chicken noodle soup. I am adjusting well to the new way. Late at night, I call my long-distance lover, proudly say I only used 49 today. I save the rest for you. When she doesn't respond, I know. She's used up all her words. So I slowly whisper, I love you. 32. And a third times. After that, we just sit on the line and listen to each other breathe. The Quiet World 
by Jeffrey McDaniel. You may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still, like dust, I'll rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Cause I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like the moons and like the suns with like the certainty tides, just like hope springing high, still all rhymes. Did you want to see me broken, bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by soulful cries? Does my haughtiness offend you? Do take it awful hard, cause I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard. You may shoot me with your words, you may cut me with your eyes, you may kill me with your hatefulness, but still, like air, I'll rise. Does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise that I dance like I've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I'm a black ocean, leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak that's wondrously, wondrously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the dream and the hope of the slave. I rise. I rise. I rise. My Angelou, still I rise. I flubbed it up a little. I've read it a few times before, so I went through it a little quick. But <clears throat> Yes, very appropriate right now. <clears throat> our breath shall intermix, our bosom, bosoms bound, and our veins beat together and our lips with eloquence than words eclipse the sound that burns between them. And the wells which boil under the being's inmost cells and the fountains of our deepest life shall be confused in passion's golden purity. As mountain springs under the morning sun, we shall become the same. We shall be one. Spirit within two frames, oh, wherefore two? One passion in twin hearts, which grows and grew. Till like two mentors, expanding flame, those spheres intact, when it became the same, touch, mingle, and transfigured ever since, burning and yet inconsolable. In another substance finding food, like flames too pure and light unimbued. To nourish their bright lives with baser prey, which point to heaven and cannot pass away. One hope within two wills, one will beneath, two overshadowing minds, one life, one death, one heaven, one hell, one immortality, and one annihilation. Uh, untitled, as, as given to me, by Percy Shelley. All right, we've got two poems left for all the girls here tonight. If you want to get those quick quotes ready for me, I would love to say what you'd have me say for you tonight. 
Okay. <clears throat> if you were coming in the fall, I'd brush the summer by with a half-smile, a half-spurn, as housewives do a fly. If I could see you in a year, I'd wind the months in balls and put them into each separate drawer for fear the numbers fuse. If only centuries delayed, I'd count them on my hand, subtracting till my fingers dropped. If certain, when this life was out, that yours and mine should be, I'd toss it yonder like a rind and take eternity. But now, uncertain of the length of this that is in between, it goads me like the goblin bee that well not state its sting. Hmm. She really was quite clever. If you were coming in the fall, Emily Dickinson. The mountains begin to sway from side to side as you walk upon them with your dimensions. The earth begins to lose its power as you walk the clouds with your anatomy that time is looking for. Your legs are causing a tsunami in the hearts of mankind when you walk the runway of life. Your curves of destruction are calling the seven seas to descend to the atmosphere that your lips are controlling. He hears your curves as they transcend the moon with each step that you take. Your hair is singing to the birds with melodies of love songs that the ocean is dancing to. When eyes of love see your curves, life disappears into unforgettable nights of passion that cannot be touched. Your eyes are pools of love that create thunderstorms and the midnight kisses of his lips that cannot breathe without you. Holding on to your curves, his hands embrace your words like sensual thoughts you declared in his touches. He holds your delicate, smooth skin within his eyes, and he explodes into uncharted love that your eyes quenched. Your curves are insatiable to his touch, and he ascends to the rivers of love without breathing. Your Curves, Theodore Mosley. Okay. All right, girls. What do we have for you today? <clears throat> Come here, baby girl. It's going to be okay. Oh, you're so cute when you pout like that. You got so much done today. I'm proud of you. I know it's been a hard week, baby girl. We don't have to talk about it. Just come and lay beside me while I hold you. You've got this, baby girl. You are worth the work. You have been working so hard, baby girl. Come here, so Daddy can make you feel better. Just like that, baby. 
Mouth does such a good job with Danny's dick. One of these was not like the others. It's very funny because the DMs ever since the podcast dropped have been very, very thirsty. And then all of the server contacts since it's dropped have been very, very sweet. So I feel like I've gotten some of you dommed enough, but then the rest of you, I guess I didn't give enough when I needed to. I, I'm trying. It's hard. You spank until they moan. That's all I know. You spank until they're like, <sighs> I needed that. It's a trial and error method every time. <laughs> Anything else? Nothing? All right. Gosh, that was not a lot of quick quotes. Okay. Oh, oh. Some girls sneaking in at the last second. Do I just... Do I have to close the door? Do I have to act like I'm closing the door? Do, 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 do. That's not a closing song. Do, 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 Pretending something is closing. Do, 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 Maria. Just, just saying that name feels weird. Just, just, not at all saying a name, but just, just throwing that out there after all that. Maria. <laughs> oh, please, baby. Kiss me. They all think you're such a good girl. If only they know what daddy knows, baby girl. Whoops. <clears throat> One more time. They all think you're such a good girl. If only they knew what daddy knows, baby girl. It's been a long day. I know, baby. But now you can rest. Well, thank you, new girls, for being so brave and coming out and saying hello and asking for something. I really do appreciate it. That was absolutely wonderful of you girls. And now to reward you with a commercial. Oh, my God, it's a link to my tip jar. Did you know that you could pay me money? It's also neat here on your Spotify or wherever you listen to the podcast. Yes, you can click on that and give me money. Holy crap, who would have thought? Somebody asking for money? <laughs> and now back to our originally scheduled program. Okay, so we've got one piece of funny smut. <laughs> uh, and then we'll see about the serious smut. After we, after we land on this little sip of water. <clears throat> well, this seems appropriate after what I just said. I promise you, I do not read the things before, even a little bit. Uh, I almost just spit out my water because, wow, this lines up. Don't worry, it's not Herman Cain related, but wow, this lines up. Okay. <clears throat> Ever been spanked? Charlie's question catches me totally off guard. What? You heard me, Emma. Have you ever been spanked? I've been so focused on my computer screen, it takes several seconds for me to register what he's asking. What? You mean, as a kid? My coworker grins slyly at me. Well, 
That too. He drawls, waiting for me to catch on. His bright blue eyes sparkle with mischief, making me blush. No, later, when you grew up. The adult kind. <laughs> oh, baby. The truth is, I haven't. Though I always secretly wanted to be. But there's no way I'm telling him that. I don't believe it. He's trying to make me confess to having kinky fantasies, but I'm not going to admit it until he does. Besides, it's too much fun playing dumb. <laughs> what are you talking about? Only kids get smacked. Charles laughs. Silly girl! I'm talking about the sexy kind. The erotic kind. You've got to know what I mean. Jolted, I peered over the top of our cubicle for a quick glance around the office. Will you keep your voice down? I plead, my ears burning. He rolls his chair closer to me, and I tilt my computer screen away from him. <laughs> that's, good. that's good safety protocol in the office. <laughs> he lowers his voice to a conspiratorial whisper. Erotic spanking. He repeats... That's what I'm talking about. With a lover. I stare at him blankly for a moment. Then faint illumination. Oh, I say. I get it. You, you mean... I shake my head and look away, laughing. A lover indeed. Everyone knows the roses I've got on my birthday last month came from the receptionist. <laughs> really? <laughs> I think the receptionist is a lesbian. If you're getting roses from her. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a while since I've been in an office, but that's not the flower I've seen women send women. Just saying. Okay. <clears throat> But he won't let go of his line of questioning. That's right. He says, his eyes invading me with their frankness. So, you haven't done it, but have you ever thought about it? This is too much. I'm going to die of embarrassment if he keeps this up. Have you? I retort. Now he glances at his computer and I suddenly wonder what he's working on. Is he even working at all? Or is he just surfing dirty websites? I lean back in my chair and crane my neck around to see, but he quickly turns the screen away. Uh-huh, I say triumphantly. Just as I thought. You know, they keep a record of every website we visit, don't you? Charles dismisses my warning with a wave of his hand, but... I happen to know for a fact that one of the guys in Human Resources was sacked last year for exactly that. He'd been downloading split crotch shots from some busty bimbo site, saving them to his hard drive here at work so his wife wouldn't find them. I can't imagine Charles looking at anything that unimaginative, but still... My words have an effect, though. He appears to be closing down whatever page he was on, glancing over at me with a cryptic smile. Doesn't hurt to be cautious. He says, I turn back to my own screen and furtively finish reading the store. 
he had interrupted. One of the author's best, a little tale about a Victorian gentleman and his naughty maid. Squirming, I type a quick appreciative response and then shut down the news group. Websites aren't safe, but I can download news group posts with my email. They don't read our private correspondence. I sense Charles watching me out of the corner of my eye. His interrogation has got me dirty mind working overtime, and I can almost imagine I'm broadcasting my thoughts to him. Can he smell my arousal? Shifting in my seat, I force myself back to work. You're still here, then? I glance up at the voice. Oh, what? Sorry, hold on. You're still here, then? I glance up at the voice. Grant! Always the last one to leave is putting on his coat. Charles is still at work besides me in the cubicle. I must have lost track at time. Afraid so, I sigh. I've got to finish this report. Charles waits a beat before nodding. Yeah, me too. Well, I'm calling it a day, Grant said for continuity. One of you will have to lock up. He hands the keys to Charles, even though I'm closer. Charles bids him a pleasant evening, and an odd look passes between the men as Charles pockets the keys. I listen to the sound of Grant's footsteps moving down the corridor and out the front door. What a cute cooter! Now my co-worker turns to me, the cryptic smile on his face. We're alone, he states, an insinuation. A threat. A promise. So we are. I say. Well, back to work. Oh, no. He rises slowly from his chair and comes to me, reaching across me for my mouse. What are you? Before I can protest, he's navigated his way to a master directory, revealing the source and destination of posts from a news group with a very conspicuous name. I gas my mind, he says. What a naughty girl. I blush furiously and look away. This is surreal. It's like a story straight from the news group. There's no doubt in my mind what's coming next. And there's no question that I'll submit. Charles takes me by the hand, and I go meekly where I am led. I don't lift my head until we reach the brink. <laughs> Which smells of tepid brown water and stale pastries. He guides me directly to the single wooden straight chair I've talked about with my imaginary friends on the news group. <laughs> it's the one I always use, squirming on the hard seat as I fantasize about the pain of spanking. At last, the penny drops. <laughs> Victorian schoolmaster? I say in an awed whisper. 
Charles gives me an evil grin. He signs all his posts with, It's far more effective in person. Pink cheeks. He replies, I giggle, hearing my moniker aloud for the first time. This is no laughing matter, young lady. He says sternly, My reply is automatic. No, sir. It's how I've addressed him in writing numerous times. But actually saying it to him now, I'm trembling with fear, anticipation, ecstasy, and a thousand other things that no emoticons can express. You know what you need. I'm not sure if it's a question or a statement, but I know I'm meant to respond in any case. I whisper, good girl. A palpable silence follows, enough time for all to become clear. Victorian schoolmaster began posting to the group a few weeks after I did, so he must have known all along. That was months ago. I quiver at the thought. How many hundreds of posts have I made in that time? How many fantasies had I described in explicit detail? Worst of all, how many of his stories had I gushed over, declaring them my favorite masturbatory aid? I looked up to see Charles peering intently at me, reading my thoughts. Oh yes, my dear. He said with deep satisfaction, I know all about your kinky little mind. I know all your hot buttons and trigger words, and I intend to make full use of that knowledge. He pauses before adding, you've earned yourself a sound spanking, young lady, and you're about to learn what a well-smacked bottom feels like, you naughty, naughty little girl. The words nail me one by one. He's a fantasy come to life before my Eyes. I've never been so tempted to write about him on the news group, a fancy about my handsome co-worker with vivid blue eyes, but something held me back. Now I'm immensely relieved that I didn't. With slow deliberation, he indicates the chair, and I chew my lip. I know what he wants, and I've better than to pretend that I don't. Obediently, I place the chair in the center of the room and return to stand in front of Charles, my head down. Now then, little miss, he says, eyeing me sternly, just like the Victorian schoolmaster he plays so well online. I think you know what comes next. I do. As if in a dream, he seats himself in the austere chair. He trousers taut over the firm muscular thighs. I stare at his lap, dizzy. I sink into position and place my clammy hands on the floor. I never thought I'd be seeing the ugly yellow lino this close. <laughs> Charles's hand rests on my bottom, and I am still. They didn't even, they didn't even type out linoleum. 
Linoleum was too much, so it was lino. I don't think that's an acceptable fucking way <laughs> to denote the flooring in a room. You can't just say, yeah, there's lino. <laughs> <laughs> Do people say that and I've just never picked up on it? Oh yeah, it's Lionel. Did you say final? No, I said Lionel. <laughs> How much time are you saving, linoleum, lino? <laughs> I'm so sorry, this story broke me a little bit. Staring at the fucking linoleum. It took me a second to figure out what lino was. I'm so sorry, that really broke it for me. Because staring at the lino, I'm like, what the fuck is the lino? Oh, the linoleum. The linoleum of the floor. The ugly yellow linoleum. Okay. All right. And then as soon as it clicked, I'm like, what a fucking stupid choice to talk about. She just went from hot-ass muscular thighs and this guy like, I'm gonna fucking slap that ass like you always want. She's like, I'm staring at the ugly little flooring! <laughs> ah, once it clicked, it really, really hurt my brain. <clears throat> Charles's hand rests on the bottom and I am still as though frozen by a spell. <clears throat> he pats me gently over my tailored skirt and then begins to raise it. I lift my hips and help him tug it over my rear. Don't do that. <laughs> Naughty little girls. Charles says, who read naughty little stories deserve to have their naughty little bottom smacked. I shudder at the words, blood rushing loudly to my ears as my heart hammers in my chest. He caresses my bottom and I writhe over his knee, imagining his approval as I see his, as he sees the panties I've described in the news group. The ones that make me feel like a schoolgirl again. Without a word, he slips his fingers into the waistband of the white cotton knickers, pulling them down to expose me. I flush with embarrassment, my face burning. Now, his palm rests on my bare skin. The stifling room drops 20 degrees as the erotic dread <laughs> consumes me. Helpless, I shiver and lie trembling across his thighs. For a moment, just a moment, I want to leap up and run, call it off, scurry away and hide forever. But I know I won't. I can't. Discipline, Emma, my stern schoolmaster says, is something you clearly need, and I intend to give you a firm lesson. You've had this punishment coming for a long time. Yes, sir, I moan. It's all I'm capable of saying. Then I feel his palm lift from me. I hold my breath. The hand seems to hang suspended in the air forever before coming down to meet my skin with a loud smack. 
Startled by the reality of the situation more than by the pain, I yelp, another smack, another yelp, another and another and another. I'm feverish with embarrassment and desire as he spanks me briskly, thoroughly, not neglecting a single inch of vulnerable flesh. Blatant disregard for the rules, he chides, and what has it earned you, young lady? A good sound spanking. A particularly hard volley of smacks punctuates these words, and I cry out even louder. When he finally stops, I moan softly, writhing over his lap. Don't stop, I try and tell him with my body. But he does. The warm glow on my backside is comforting. It matches the one on my face. He urges me up, and I struggle gracelessly to my feet, unable to look at him. I'm not finished with you yet, my girl, Charles says. He waits for me to look up at him before adding, Your hairbrush. Collect it. I blush even more fiercely, now truly mortified. Of course, of course he knows about that, too. An antique ebony one I found on eBay. And described to the group in loving detail. I carry it out of my bag every time I brush my hair with it. Imagine a no-nonsense authority figure using it on my backside. My hands are shaky and sweaty, and I am hurried to obey, fumbling the hairbrush out of my handbag and nearly dropping it. I present it to him. Charles smacks it in his hand, making me wince. Back over my knees, he orders. My legs have forsaken me. I collapse into position. He lays the cool wood against my burning flesh, and I utter a little mouse-like squeak. He smooths it over every inch of reddened skin, making me squirm even more. I close my eyes and brace myself. I've never even had the courage to spank myself with it. I have no idea how it will feel. Charles taps it against my bottom. Prepare yourself, young lady. This will teach you a lesson. You'll never forget. The first row connects, and I arch wildly on his lap, crying out at the pain. He doesn't give me time to recover before delivering the next one, and the next. I'm astonished at the pain. I've never imagined he would hurt this much. I've read and written about countless hairbrush spankings, but never truly understood the sensation. It's terrible and wonderful all at once, especially when I'm at the mercy of a skilled and uncompromising disciplinarian. I breathe into each stroke, hissing through my teeth, yelping as the wood strikes my tender flesh. When I struggle, he holds me firmly in place. I'm helpless, delirious, flying. After a dozen strokes, he finally stops, and I lie gasping, panting over his lap. I see him in my hairbrush down at the table in front of me, and I melt with relief. Have you learned the value of discipline? He asks, Yes, sir, I whimper. Good girl. He trails his fingertips over my punishing bottom. Then he squeezes my burning cheeks, making me squeal. He gives a soft laugh. Then he helps me up again and sits there, silent, waiting. I can't play dumb and wouldn't try. 
He knows me inside out. He knows every single element of my fantasy life, and he relishes exploiting them. Thank you for punishing me, sir, I say. Charles smiles and rises to gather me in his arms, stroking me like a cherished pet. His hands stray to my tender bottom, and he squeezes, making me yelp. Pink cheeks, he says fondly. I think you'll be staying behind tomorrow night as well, and the night after that. I bury my face in his chest, tingling all over with sensation. I don't quite know how to process yet. My first spanking. I can hardly wait to write about it. I know my favorite imaginary friend will respond. Oof, that was something. Pink Cheeks by Fiona Locke, L-O-C-K-E. I need a sip of water after that. Oof! Staring at the lino really broke me. I know I explained it, but I just got to say what happened there. That totally derailed everything. Lino, 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 lino? Like in my head, like all, everything that could be lino popped up, like a thundercat was in there, you know? Lino, lino, lino. <laughs> like a discount version of a Peanuts character playing a, pi a piano. You know, that's who Lucille was into, you know, in the, in the Snacker Nuts. She was into Lino. Played the harpsichord. <laughs> All right, we've got one piece of serious sexy smut here. I think I can do tonight. I think I've got the time and energy budget for that. So, even though mom's not here, can everybody wish Allie some, uh, some good luck when she goes over this and uploads it for everybody? It would mean a lot. Allie has been doing absolutely fantastic lately, but she's just not been feeling 100% uh, for just totally normal, uh, understandable reasons. So, of course, I wanted to give her the, the night off. Uh, but she, she's been feeling better and better, stronger and stronger, been coming back, been doing more work. We're very excited about something we're going to reveal. We're going to reveal something later this month. Uh, and just, uh, just, you know, we all appreciate her, everything she does for the podcast, uh, getting everything up and out, freeing me up that I can do the stories. A lot of people thought that, that 401 and 402 at least sounded really great and they really, uh, enjoyed, uh, the way I sounded. Uh, that's because of Allie. She frees me up. She she gives me the time that I can explore stuff creatively. So we all appreciate her when she's not here. Also, real quick, thank you to Arya and Serena. We appreciate them emceeing while she's out. We always appreciate them keeping things on rolling on the server. Uh, thank you so much, both of you. Uh, really couldn't do it tonight without you. Really appreciate both of you very, very much. And that's pretty much it. Didn't I have something? I did. I have one little last funny bit. Uh, I don't know quite how to segue it in and out. So I'm just going to talk about how I hate this fucking meme. <laughs> I didn't like it to begin with, but now I fucking hate it after two months of this meme. The earth is healing. 
X is returning. I didn't like it the first time I saw it, so now that I've seen it a thousand fucking times, I goddamn hate it. And I don't like it very much, but that's also the only context that I can come up with to explain what I saw today. Because today, I saw a guy holding a sign, and I assumed it was a Black Lives Matter protest or a counter-protest or whatever, right? Just assumed because it was that moment. Maybe, you know, it could be something else, but it was almost certainly going to be that. And I saw him while I was out doing errands. I don't get to go out a lot, so I saw him. And I was very curious because he was standing by himself. One guy by himself. And his sign said that he needed gyms to open back up. Which is fair enough. I've seen these protests around the country. But the reason why I'm talking about him in particular is because he wasn't just saying, hey, I need to go back to the gym and I'm in really great shape and look at me. But you know the kind of person that does that. So, of course, you know the word that was written on the kind of asshole who does that sign, and that word is CrossFit. And so what I'm trying to tell you, good people, is the CrossFitters are returning. The earth is healing. We will make it through it. The CrossFitters are in denial right now, and as the CrossFitters are in denial soon, the rest of us will be too. So just don't worry too much. They're returning. They're, retur they're now standing on streets to tell us that they do CrossFit, holding up fucking signs. They can't bother us anywhere else. They have to stay two fucking feet apart. So that's the way that they're getting the message across. They're now, now standing on street corners going, I do CrossFit! Remember when this was all the rage in 2017? Pelotons are shit! Stop buying them! CrossFit! <laughs> Alright. <clears throat> and now our last sexy story. My nipples are hard. My clit won't stop tingling. And my channel randomly clenches around a cock. That isn't there. I need something. No, someone. I need someone inside me. Now. The fact that I don't have a boyfriend, or at least a fuck buddy, on speed dial leaves only one option. A stranger. Right now. I'm working up enough to pursue that option. But where to find one? The pub in the basement? That's it. The quickest solution. I don my sexiest little black dress and nothing else before heading out from my third-floor apartment in the coveted brownstone. I hit the stoop at the run and force myself to slow down at the outside stairs to the pub beneath so I can pretend to look like a normal human being. Every step I take inside rubs my pussy lips tighter, bringing me closer to an orgasm. I take a deep breath to stem climaxing in public. What was wrong or right with me? Ever since I'd agreed to take part in my friend's chocolate truffle taste test this afternoon, my desire had intensified. The request had seemed easy enough. Take part in a study by trying a single piece of candy, completing a survey and the journal entries, and then joining a focus group where the psychologist would ask questions about my experience only that wouldn't happen for three days. 
Could these weird feelings be why? I grit my teeth and take two big breaths so that I can walk into the dark tavern. I want to casually saunter up to the massive polished wood bar at the center, but it takes all my focus just across the short length from the door. Your usual scotch, Molly? Elaine, the bartender, asking. No. I ponder for a moment. I'm in the mood for chocolate tonight. I say as I gingerly climb onto the stool, wishing it was a Sibian. I choke back a moan. One chocolate teeny. I murmur. Mmm, with chocolate vodka. Awesome. And nothing like the smoky whiskey I usually crave. As she pours Godiva liquor for my drink, I scan the pub for potential candidates and come up empty. The place is filled with couples and groups of college students. I can't risk my gratitude teaching assistant status by sleeping with any of them. In a brownstone? Damn! Heat floods my clit, and I squirm in my seat. Everything okay? Elaine asks. Her concern look tells me that I'm not hiding my ridiculously horny state nearly as well as I thought. <laughs> yep, I'm good. I force the words through my light, tight lips. Perfectly normal. I pick up the temptation she sets in front of me and take a sip. It's delicious. From behind, I hear the front door open, and when I swivel back around to see who's in, my hand trembles, and I almost spill the sweet mixture. Holy fuck, the man is perfect. Black hair, black leather jacket, and silver at the temples tell me he's likely not a student. And if he was a professor at our small college, I would recognize him. His body is trim, his hair cut to meet military standards. I momentarily wonder if he is from the local base and then change my mind. It does not matter if he is. I need someone inside me as soon as possible, and right now, he is the prime candidate. Here, Lane, I pay for my tab and likely leave too much of a tip. I can't bring myself to care. The man situates himself in a booth in the back of the bar. He orders something, and I don't care what. I just want to discover what he is hiding inside his jeans. <sighs> Thanks, Elaine. The bartender mocks as I slide off my tool, never removing my eyes from the hunk at the back of the pub. Uh-huh, I murmur. I'm not up for dealing with any other female right now. I need cock, and I need it badly. I carry my drink to the stranger's booth, scanning my finger for a wedding band. He doesn't have so much of a dent. Uh, hi. I sit on the sprawling bench beside him. The backs of my thighs land on the cold leather seat when my dress has ridden up. The temperature stimulates me enough to squirm in the booth as my pussy clenches. Again. Excuse me? He slides over, making room for me beside him. I'm too lost in my own desire to read the inflection in his tone. Focus. Say something. May I buy you a drink? I ask a little too loudly. He smiles holds up a glass of whiskey, and says, I'm okay. That's nice, because I'm definitely not. He takes a sip of his drink, and I make a confession. I need your help. He puts his glass down, shifts to face me, and wordlessly drapes his arm across the back of the booth. 
help you how exactly? Ah, I tear my eyes away to stare at my chocolatini. I need you to fuck me. Time stops as I wait for him to say something. The bar bustles around us, and yet it feels like we've been teleported to a place where the only sound is that of our breath. He hitches, unsure what to do next. I unfollow my urge to steal his lips with mine. My brain sizzles along with the rest of my body. I feel the heat all the way to my toes. My, his tongue plunges into my mouth, and we tangle with one another. Damn, if he isn't a good kisser. I can't breathe and pull away from him, searing in the intensity of it. He leans forward to deliver a quick, hard kiss to my mouth. This is a bad idea. Because we're in public? I toss my mop of chestnut curls. Do I remember to put on makeup? I have a brief flashback to this morning and the minimal mascara I wear behind my glasses at work. How am I supposed to seduce this man if I can't even remember to put on lipstick? I slide out of the booth and extend my hand to him. Drinks forgotten. He stares at my open palm and then my eyes. I wonder what he's looking for. Come with me, please. I try not to sound as desperate as I am. Why? He asks. I told you why. What about them? He nods his head towards the frat boys. They're not you. I reply. I debate my decision to have sex with a stranger, then my pussy spasms again, and it's all I can do not to give myself over to an orgasm. My eyes focus on his clenched teeth. He's breathing heavily, and I'm fighting hard to hide it. I lean down to whisper in his ear, Take me home and fuck me. He shakes his head. I can't. <laughs> That's bullshit. You're not wearing a ring. I bet you live alone. What's stopping you? He must be hiding something, but I don't care. He looks around with pained eyes. Am I really that repulsive? Oh, God. You're sexy as hell. I mean, that dress? Do you like it? I ask. Because I wore it for you. Come on. I grasp his hand and kiss his palm, and he responds with a hiss. I shouldn't. No, I really think you should. Finally, he takes my hand, and I guide him to the small corridor that leads to the restrooms. I pin him against my wall and run his fingers through the silver in his temples. I lift my hands to barely cover my breast. He tests the weight and kisses it. I moan. He pinches my nipple. You're not wearing a bra, he whispers. I shake my head. Panties, he asks. I smile. Dear God. You're trying to kill me, aren't you? He better be a fucking priest. I bite my lip. So I don't need to do this. He drops his hand and looks at the floor before shaking his head. Are you gonna let that stop you? You don't care that I'm old enough to meet your father. I want someone who's completed the learning curve. Am I wrong in assuming you have? 
I slide my hand beneath his waistline and discover the erection he's sporting beneath his jeans. It's larger than I expected, large enough that I wonder if I can take him. Man grabs my wrist. I'm wrong for you. I don't care. I speak the truth. This need has racked my body with increased intensity ever since I tasted that chocolate truffle this afternoon. What had they called it? Oh, yes, Chemical X. Surely, no, it can't be. They would have said something about it, right? Before I can think it through, another wave of need makes me moan. Let's go somewhere private. Now. Please. As I'm ready to beg, the man nods. Fine. But I have one condition. Anything. I would grant him my soul to save him from this misery. Don't hate me afterward. Why would I? Just promise me, he demands. Okay. I swear. He grasps my chin and pulls me for a passionate kiss and then leaves my head spinning. Let's go. Together we race out of the bar and up to the street level. My pussy clenches harder at the prospect of relief, and I moan again. My savior steers me up the front steps and digs into my purse for the keys of the townhouse. Then we're inside the building. He pins me back against the wall, brushes my skirt, and plunges two fingers deep inside me, fucking me hard. There's an extra thrill knowing we could be discovered by a neighbor at any moment. By nothing less than the act of God, he finds my G-spot, and I buck wildly against his hand. That's it. Show me how fucking badly you want me. I come immediately, biting a fist to hide the sound of my pleasure. My apartment is 302. I pant the words, don't worry, baby. That's exactly where we're going. The stranger smacks my ass with his palm and pulls me up two flights of stairs. My doors open without the key, and deep in the recesses of my brain I realize I'm so horny I forgot to lock it. He slams the door and locks it behind us. Dropping to his knees, he lifts my dress over his head and sets my labia back on fire with his tongue as he burrows down to my clit. He barely laps at it, teasing and taunting me. I come again, harder this time. My legs collapse beneath me. The stranger, no, my stranger, catches me and lifts me over his shoulders, carrying me slight to the bed straight to the bedroom. How does he know where it is? The thought briefly floats in my mind, only to be filed away later. For after I have him inside of me, for after I come so hard, I milk him of his juices. He drops me onto the bed, and I momentarily spread eagle. Fuck! I need this man. I need him to desire me. I had been the predator and he the prey. Despite the initial reluctance, he fights me for control. This is a disaster, he murmurs. But I'm going to make sure it's fucking worth it for both of us. Now that I had a taste, I can't imagine sex with him ever being a disaster. He shrugs out of the jacket, pulls his charcoal t-shirt over his head, and rips open the button fly of his jeans to reveal what must be the largest erection I've ever seen. Yeah. 
Yes, I hiss. He unties my wrap dress and pulls it down over my shoulders so it pins my arms to my sides before stepping out of his jeans. Where's your lube? I motion with my head. Top drawer of the nightstand. I hear him rummaging, and then he pulls out the bottle. Chocolate-flavored. That's appropriate. At the mere mention of chocolate, my pussy gushes, and I moan with need. He opens the top and squirts the liquid over between my breasts. The cool sensation causes my nipples to tighten. The sweet scent has me licking my lips in a flashback to this afternoon's truffle, and my core clenches with desire. The stranger climbs on the bed to straddle my torso. He reaches for my tits with both his hands like before. I feel incredibly sexy. I try to reach the precum leaking from the tip with my tongue. He laughs at my futile efforts. Not yet. He moves up so that his knees are almost at my shoulders, then grabs the outsides of my breasts and pushes them together. I start to whine. Before the sound can leave my mouth, he shoves his prick between my tits and slowly pistons his hips back and forth. The head disappears from view and then resurfaces between my flesh. I arch my back to thrust my cleavage closer to him. Yes, that's it. Can you feel how fucking hard I am for you? I follow his movements like a surfer times waves. At just the right second, I surge forward and lap his slit up with my tongue. I break out of a sweat and I lick my lips, crawling backwards and down my body. He says, holy shit, it actually works. I'm too steeped in desire to pursue his line of thinking any further. Fuck me. Fuck me, I beg. God damn it all to hell. He grabs a condom from my open drawer and rips the wrapper in two. It barely fits him. He climbs between my thighs and rams two fingers inside me. My orgasm is all consuming, and I mindlessly gyrate to fuck his hand. I barely notice his deep laugh, and I don't care. As long as he keeps his fingers me, as long as he fingers me like that, I don't care about anything. I grunt like a rustling animal in heat before crying out in pleasure again. My stranger removes his hand, and I whimper until he shoves that massive dick inside me. It's easily the largest I've ever taken, and I'm beyond ready. My pussy throbs at the welcome invasion. I'm blinded by the pleasure of being filled so completely and feel my eyes roll back in my head. Mm. Molly? Molly, are you all right? A bead of sweat drops on my face and pulls me from my carnal oblivion. Molly, are you all right? Those steel blue eyes search my face for something I don't understand. He brushes my hair back from my forehead. Say you're okay. Oh. I moan as I squirm beneath him. That's it. We're done. He starts to pull out. I lock my legs around his thighs and think my fingernails into his glutes. Fuck me. Now. His mask of concern transforms into a look of wonder. He leans in and places a chaste kiss on my lips. Hold on. He says, That's exactly what my instinct drives me to do. My pussy contracts around his cock and rhythms with his thrusts. I let out a keening cry as I come. Jesus. I can't. It's too much. 
He slams into me and unleashes a guttural howl as I feel the unmistakable pulse of his own release. He drops his head to my shoulder, panting like he'd just placed in the New York Marathon. My body quivers with aftershocks, and I pull his mouth to mine, attacking it with even more passion than before. My brain has completely shut down until he pulls away to speak. I'm Patrick. He goes to work licking the pulse of my neck. I start to fade into oblivion, and then it clicks. You know my name? Uh-huh. You know where I live? Yeah. And you know where to find my bedroom? Is that a problem? He shifts to lap his way down to my breast and still slick with the lube. He flicks his tongue across one nipple and then the other, and my pelvis tilts up, my body ready to receive him again, despite my observations and resulting questions. I can't bring myself to redirect him. I lift my head. Are you stalking me? Let me get rid of the condom. And then we can talk. I focus on taking deep breaths to try and bring my libido under control, which reminds me how completely my sex drive is controlling me. I brought a particular stalker into my bed, and I'm not too randy to care. My mind recognizes that this is not an appropriate reaction, but I can't do anything about it. I strip out of my dress and wait for him under the covers. When he returns to the bathroom, which unlike every man I've ever had over, he didn't confuse with the closet, he's sporting another hard-on. I like my lips. Looks like you're ready for another round. No. I mean, yes, but first... I need to explain. He steps into his jeans, but leaves them unbuttoned. You're right. I have to give you some answers. I force myself to focus on his face instead of his delicious hard dick that won't be contained. His stubbed jaw is set in a determined fashion. I try to care about anything other than my libido. What the hell is going on? My name is Patrick. I'm being paid to stalk you as part of the study. What? I sit up straight in bed, the comforter falling to reveal my breasts. Uh, could you? I pull up the sheet. I don't know if I'm more shocked or angry. This man has fucked me so thoroughly, and I'm not sure that I care. Explain, please. I'm a private investigator. I've been retained by the company that's developing the truffles. I can't disclose why without comprising the chumley, and I could lose my job. Patrick scrubs his face with both hands. My professional reputation may be dead. Why? I'm the one who approached you. Rule number one. You don't get involved with the subject of your investigation. Ever. And that's exactly what I did. I drop the sheet and throw the covers back. Yes, please. Didn't you just hear what I said? Yes, and it seems like the damage has already been done. And I don't know how all of this ties together, and I have no idea what someone would be watching me. I mean, they gave me a diary to track my actions. Why wouldn't that be enough? Not if you were too embarrassed to admit that you fucked a stranger. Oh. You see where that could be an issue with participant self-reporting? He crossed his arms. Speaking of which... What are you going to record about in your activities tonight? 
The sober in question penetrated my lust-filled hangs. What? I squeak. You do realize that you don't get paid for the study until you submit your journal, and I turn in mine. So, what will you say? That depends. Can you get us some more truffles? For the Record by Christy Hancock. K-R-I-S-T-I Hancock. All right, guys, that was the show. Thank you, everybody came out. Just a little light show, just trying to keep them going for everybody who wants them throughout the week, and it perks them up. Again, appreciate everybody who comes out. Everybody who tips, everybody who gave a suggestion, a link, and all the rest, I do appreciate all of you very, very, very much. I do. I appreciate you. It's a lot of fun tonight, a lot of laughs. Good smut, bad smut, nice poetry. Uh, Let's get some love letters in for next time. Yeah? Don't we love love letters? Let's get some love letters in, won't we? Yes? I miss that. It's a good segment. We always get such interesting love letters. Okay. I had a really, really good time. I'm glad you guys are enjoying the Harder, Hotter season number four. We're going to keep that rolling every single week. Thank you again. I appreciate all of you. Uh, That's on it. That's it. 